Welcome back to 24 Faithful. Excited to be back. I am Joshua Rivers, your host, and I am back in the host seat. As Joel let you guys know, I was MIA. Um, I was not in Colorado, which is why he was never able to find me. And so um, I was traveling across the entire Western United States trying to get away. And uh, I finally made it back home without being caught. But no, I was not involved in any terrorist activity that can be documented. You will be debriefed and interrogated later. <laughs> I feel like the terrorist activity that can be documented is probably the the key part of that sentence. That's kind of worrying. <laughs> well, I will uh, I will let you take care of trying to figure out all the things that may or may not have happened. <laughs> Go perfectly, there. perfectly, perfectly in line with your nefarious means. <laughs> yes, but anyway, that brings us to what we are talking about today, uh, as we are looking at season four as a whole, kind of an overview look of the season, because there were definitely some things that were not able to be captured um, as as we reviewed or you guys reviewed. I was only here for half of the season. And so as you guys reviewed, and so I know that uh, the, the thing that we didn't, you guys didn't get to talk about last week was the raid on the Chinese consulate. And so um, I think that's where we need to start so we can be able to wrap that up. And then there's a couple other things too. And so for me, uh, it's definitely a very pivotal moment in 24 history. It's a pivotal moment in Jack Bauer's life because um, Going forward, obviously at season four, we don't, at, at the moment, we don't see the huge impact other than how we see it end and things like that. And he's walking off into the sunset and all that kind of stuff or sunrise. Anyway, so, so we, so, so we see that, but, but as we forward, fast forward a little bit, I mean, everything is, is a pivotal moment on this. And so, I mean, it ties into how season five ends and season six is completely surrounded um, through the Chinese. And uh, then it comes back again and um, live another day. And so it, it goes through and there, there's a lot of other consequences as well that happen as a result of this, but you, you watch it in the moment and it's like, okay, yeah, there are some mistakes that happen, blah, blah, blah. And, you don't realize the full impact until you start watching all the other seasons. Like, Oh my word, it all comes back to that. Seems quite normal, doesn't it? Jack, maybe not normal, but it seems routine for 24 Jack going in and it's a great sequence going in and taking Lee Yong. And then all of the stuff that happens within that episode of Paul dying and the hunt for Marwan that happens in the next episode and all of the sort of the season four contained stuff just feels fairly 24. And then like you say, the, the more you watch on, the more that this just becomes the catalyst for basically every major event or many of the major events that happen over the rest of the seasons. Obviously the end of this season, the end of next season, a lot of Cheng stuff with Audrey in season six, most of season seven's existence. Um, to an extent, you can sort of throw in Logan in season eight as well, because that sort of comes off of season five, which kind of comes off the fact that he gets to be president in this season. All sorts of things happen. And then yeah. and then live on day as well. And it is kind of crazy how something that it, it's, it's not substantial. 
in the context of the episode, yes, Jack is committing a um, international crime, which seems fairly standard for Jack. He's going against CTU, seems fairly standard for Jack. He's working with David Palmer, very standard for Jack. And it's all, it's all done in two minutes. He's in and out very, very quickly with Lee Yong. And yeah, those five minutes just affect his life for the next 15 years. It's, it's, it's insane. And it's a great sequence that I don't think, I don't think you could ever expect Watson is back in 2005 or in future catching up on the show for the first time. I don't think you could ever quite understand how big a ripple effect this would end up having. Um, in just this particular uh, arc at the end of season four, you meet what will eventually be two of Jack's greatest rivals. Two of the, my opinion, uh, greatest villains, 24 history. Because nobody in 24, no villain in 24 is going to give Jack as much trouble as Charles Logan and Shane Z. Mm-hmm. And you meet and you meet both of them in season four. And we have five seasons left. You count live another day, five seasons left. Um and this is this isn't the, the last time that, that Jack will raid a consulate. So it's 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 like you said, it becomes very standard for Jack. But at the same time, it's you had you had to know when they were trying to to get the CTU agent out of there and trying to get him on a helicopter and a new identity. You had to know that it wasn't going to go down that easily. And it's amazing that, like you said, Bradley, just two minutes maybe a little bit more, but roughly two minutes of actual um, action time is going to affect virtually the next five seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely very interesting to be able to think about all those different things and the... <sighs> Yeah, as you said, the those two Logan and Chang they they were a they were definitely a thorn in Jack's side. I mean, for almost everything going forward, um, somewhere between the two of them, and it's just insane the the things that that happened to Jack as a result of what they were trying to do to get back at Jack. Um. Even though, I mean, yeah, he, he went in and he did the raid, but the the consulate getting killed wasn't even their fault directly. I guess they were indirectly their fault, but it was friendly fire, but the Chinese weren't going to admit that. And so, it, yeah. I know on here, um, Bradley, we, you we put just, something... Say, just dive into the silly bits of this bit. 
because we talked last week about the silly bits of the Paul Rain's death, and there are lots of silly bits around the yeah. raiding of the Chinese consulate. There's the idiocy of Howard Byrne, who has got to be. I mean, some of the CTU agents and Secret Service guards in this show are just beyond stupid. But Howard Byrne has got to be one of the dumbest characters in the show. He doesn't realise the significance of the fact that he has his mask lift. He doesn't mention it at numerous opportunities when he has the chance. Uh, and then Jack mentioned about the, the console Kuyin being killed and he still doesn't mention it. And, you know, this could be a potential problem, Jack. I had my mask lifted for just a second. Maybe something caught it. Maybe someone saw me. Nope, doesn't think to mention it. And then they rush him away just... I don't quite understand why. Why can they just hidden him at CTU for a while and then get rid of him when the heat's off of them? And they try and blame it on some uh, anti-Chinese terrorist group. Okay, fine. Why not just blame it on Marwan? What you know? You, you, you're pointing out to them that he's linked to this terrorist that's causing all the problems. Why not just suggest that? Well, there was some maybe perhaps perhaps he didn't quite give him everything he needed and so he came in and took Lee Yong because they needed something else and then killed him afterwards presumably we don't know because we don't have him I, I just and like you said you know the, the fact that it all does come out of friendly fire as well is kind of odd um yeah it <laughs> it's, it's like a lot of things in that episode it, it's quite silly even if it does work at the same time uh Howard is not the, um, I guess you could say, the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's um, an idiot. He's an absolute <laughs> idiot. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not not exactly the smartest guy in the room. Okay, if I'm going to be politically correct about it. Okay, this is a family show. All right. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to piece together exactly why Howard even put himself in that position. Like if you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna send him away, fine. But why would you? Now I'm I'm a little, I'm a little fuzzy here. So if I'm wrong, please correct me, Bradley, because I know you will. Um, but if they're sending, if they're sending this guy away, fine. Why would you send him there by himself? There were a couple of agents, weren't there? I think there were a couple of like agents that went with him. I'm not sure. Maybe there wasn't. I can't remember. I mean, I, I know there was a couple of agents that dropped him off, but if I remember correctly, when he went to the helicopter, he got off, he got off the phone with with I think it was Bill. It was either Bill or Jack to let him know Bill. that he was there. And then as soon as he got off the phone, the Chinese whisked him away in the, in the car. Am I getting the chain of events right? Yeah. So there was there were the two guys that I think were in the CTU car that they sent to pick him up. The, the Chinese had uh, killed. But yeah, I think only <laughs> the helicopter pilot was with him. Maybe. I'm not sure. I, th- I think that's. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. That's just, ridiculous. Either way. Yeah, it just seems. It just seems like a like a lapse. A lapse. Easy for me to say. In judgment. 
um, to not make him more protected because yeah. you had to, you had to figure that eventually the Chinese were going to catch on to him. So until, until he got out of, out of Dodge, basically until he got at least on the helicopter, I would not have let him out of my sight. Surely as well, if you're trying to hide someone in plain sight, whisking them away via helicopter when the people that you're trying to hide them from are in that building probably isn't the smartest idea. Just a thought. Yeah. And because, I mean, this is, this is like an international incident on the line. So you would think that you would have all this trouble as well. And then even on top of that, even on top of that, before they went into the raid, Jack had the conversation with them and saying, okay, basically if any of us get caught, there needs to be complete deniability about the connection to the government. But I mean, you get, you get Howard Byrne in there. He's like, yeah, it was Jack. Like, okay. it's like, it's like, dude, I mean, come to, on. you say that, but I, don't know. I, I think him talking was fairly reasonable. I don't know. It, it there was just so much stuff that that seemed off about that particular inc- incident that I'm just it didn't have to it seemed like a a a crutch like as soon as you said that you were sending him away logic says that he's going to get caught. He's not just going to be whisked away in a helicopter and go off and live happily ever after and never be seen again. That's just not going to happen. So I think they could have done a little bit more to at least make it realistic. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a firefight. Maybe there's a, you know, there's a, a shootout at the hangar and then in the midst of the shootout, he gets, you know, shoved in a, in a, in a car and driven away. Something like that. It just, he gets off the phone. Oh, well, look, there's the Chinese. Get in the car. And that's it. It just, eh, just fuzzles a little off to me. I also can't quite understand, back before the raid, David calls uh, the consul and explains to them the situation with Li Yong. But they never, I don't think they ever actually provide the Chinese the evidence that they have that linking him to Marwan. I feel like, it probably wouldn't make a difference, but it feels like that's something that might make a difference if they actually went, here is what we found. This is why your man is lying and about the fact that he's saying, oh, thought suspicion would fall on me. It's not, it's not true. Well, no, here you go. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Would you like my spicy take on this, by the way? Ooh, spicy. One of one of asked for anything else, Bradley. <laughs> okay. Um Edgar is the worst character in twenty-four. What? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. There is a reason for this because cut, he cut, cut 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 his mic off. <laughs> Let me Josh, can you, I'm intrigued. Can you can you mute his audio? No, I'm I'm intrigued. I wanna cut, I wanna the, cut the whole mic off. That's that is the most ridiculous take in the history of this podcast. 
Edgar is a wonderful character that I love, but he's also terrible because he is indirectly responsible for basically every single bad event that happens from 3 to 4 a.m. onwards. By saying one thing to Cheng, he causes so many issues. Howard Burns' kidnapping, Jack's faking his own death, Michelle's death, uh, Tony's fake death, and therefore his switch of allegiance, and therefore the entirety of season seven, the breakdown in relationship between Jack and Kim as a result of Jack faking his death, which came from this, the fact that Jack gets tortured at the end of season five, the fact that Audrey gets tortured between seasons five and season six, uh, the deaths of Milo Pressman and all of CTU security guards when Cheng has his men raid CTU. Uh, Mike Doyle, what happens to him is also his fault. Um, Audrey's death and Cheng's beheading in season nine in Live Another Day. Edgar. Well, that, well, that, that last one I, I'm okay with. <laughs> and, what, and what was this comment that Edgar said again, Bradley? Uh, Cheng asked him about, so obviously the... Um, the cover story on the hourlies was that Jack and Audrey were working with Edgar uh, between 1 and 3 a.m. on whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. And then Shane mentions about how or, or Edgar mentioned about uh, Audrey went down to the clinic. So it was just you and Jack then. What? He didn't have a clue what was going on. And from that, Shane deduced that Jack was responsible for the raid. And from that, everything else happened. What? Bradley, that that is that is that is a bigger that is a bigger reach than than that is a bigger reach than the mountains that Joshua was at a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. The 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 the, the gap within that reach is bigger than the gap within those mountains that he was at last week. Okay. That is reach. Dick, you know what? When Josh posts this podcast, I'm tagging Louis Lombardi in the in the, in the podcast like I did a couple of weeks ago because he needs to hear the, the <laughs> blasphemy of your of your ridiculous spit take that that one comment, the one word "what" is responsible for five seasons worth of 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 BS. Am I wrong? That one, that one cop, that is, that is ridiculous. I, I, does, does the comment not lead to that? Do those things not happen as a result of that comment? No. Oh. He would have he deduced that anyway. Well, yeah, he, eventually he'd have figured it out for himself, but Edgar just helped him along. No. Edgar no, he- <laughs> could have just been a pawn and Edgar could have just said what because he honestly didn't know what was going on. I mean, you realize how many workers are at CTU? Not all of them are privy to what's going on. Okay, Edgar could have just been a, a, re- a regular person that just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I, that one well, I, word, what, is... Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> I'm getting hot over here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, in Edgar's defense, I mean, that, that, that was definitely wrong on him, but in Edgar's defense, uh, they should have gone to him and say, hey, oh. by the way... We are changing. This is this is a story that we're telling, just so you know, in case there's ever any kind of <laughs> opportunity. I mean, if if you change the logs to say anything, inform the people that are involved, so that they can be able to collaborate the story. And so, I mean, oh, that, that's the reason why. I mean, that, that's the w- reason why when they bring 
people in. They separate the, the people when they're interrogating them because that way they can't collaborate the stories that they're coming up with. And so get everyone together. You have the opportunity, get them together, tell them the story, tell them what's going on so that they can at least somewhat sound intelligent and be able to try to hold up the story at least for a little while. But, but yeah, didn't that, need to respond to Chang. He could have just walked off. <laughs> but yeah, Bill, I'm sorry. Bill, that's confidential. <laughs> but yeah. Bill's Bill's handling of this was not great. I will admit, um, the, the preparation involved was, was fairly awful. But, yeah. Ed, it's a butterfly effect. Edgar, saying was, that, yeah. Ed, Edgar not knowing what Cheng was talking about when, oh, it was just you and Jack then, causes so many big things in the rest of the seasons. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put the blame on Edgar necessarily. <laughs> so that, that's a little misleading. But, Ed, but yes, Edgar that, that phrase. <laughs> but Edgar I love the fact that Joel got so flustered over it. Edgar is one of the best characters in the entire history of 24. And the fact that you're sitting there with that smug look on your face and trying to convince me that he is one of the worst characters because of one word, because of one word that you're trying to tell me he caused five seasons worth of anguish is almost enough to just make me blow a gasket. You know what, Josh? Let's go on to the next subject because I'm about to get hot here. And trust me, I will be tagging Louis Lombardi in this podcast when it gets posted. Because he needs to listen. Because he needs to know that there that there are ridiculous takes out like this that are actually out there. Okay. This is in line with conspiracy theorists. Okay. And 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 and, and nut jobs and political analysts. This is ridiculous. Continue, I, couldn't con- I, I couldn't convince him that the Nina twist at the end of season one was actually brilliant, so I don't know what I hope I had of this. That was stupid. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> All right, anyway, uh, in the light of moving on, so we do have um, the relationship between Jack and Audrey, um, and there's a, a lot of dynamics that not just go through this season, but it's a very interesting relationship that happens throughout the next five seasons as well. So, I mean, it's a six season, whatever relationship that has a lot of ups and downs and twists and turns. And it's very crazy. um, The relationship that they have. I don't know if I was ever fully convinced of them as a couple, but but I, I mean, it generally works, but I wasn't like totally convinced like, okay, yeah, they're a great couple. It, I don't know. But anyway, it works. <laughs> I think the thing that lets it down for me and it's not, it doesn't let it down much, but it, it, it does take away from it a little bit. is the fact that there's a lot more drama to it than it feels like I remember. It, it feels very soap opera at times where I didn't think it did. And you have a lot of times where you'll have the phone call or the in-person conversation between them that lasts two minutes every episode that's generally about the same thing. It's As the season goes on, it sort of transforms from uh, Jack, Paul, Audrey type stuff into Audrey and her doubting of whether she still loves Jack because he's a different person, he's on a different side. 
and the regret of Jack having Pella and Audrey get involved in the events of today and the horrors and the stuff that's happened to Paul both before he dies and after he dies. And it just feels a little bit repetitive and it feels like, I don't know, it, I don't know, it, it doesn't quite land fully, but I think, I think generally it works. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed it for the most part. It was, um, up until this point, it was definitely the most, um, the less annoying of his relationships up until this point. Um, I thought most of, most of the, uh, Love triangle stuff was kind of unnecessary. Um, because a lot of it just felt like filler, so to speak. And it made, it made Paul look like a, uh, make, made him look naive and weak. Um, because it's been a device. it, It was definitely a plot device. And, um, because, I mean, it's, it's nine months and y'all haven't put your relationship back together yet. Time to move on, brother. Um, <clears throat> so, from that from that aspect, it's a little, I guess, one of those convenient things to give Audrey something to do outside of her regular duties. But unlike the stuff with Kim, Audrey had something to do outside of the Paul stuff. She was the DOD liaison. So she had something that, that, that she they could have had her do that didn't deal with Paul Reigns. They didn't need to give her something to do just to give her something to do because she already had a job. So that's why I felt like adding that Paul stuff kind of watered it down a little bit. Um, but then you you see over the subsequent seasons, this relationship kind of festers over three of the next five seasons. So it's, it's definitely one of the, it's definitely the longest relationship he has in 24. Um, but you never kind of, I said in 24, not before 24. So it's it's kind of it was kind of a Tony. Matter of fact, Tony said his best in season four. He asked Audrey, "He's like, you've seen him in both worlds today. Do you think he's honestly going to go back to working behind the desk?" And Audrey was like, "After everything he's been through today, why would he want to go back?" And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, well, have you seen the previous three seasons? <laughs> no, obviously she hasn't. She lives, in the, she lives in that world. She hasn't watched this as a show. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, file. you know, I mean, season four was kind of standard for what Jack would go through. I mean, it's not season three. You know, I mean, he's lost his wife to this job. He's become a heroin addict. He's had to cut off his partner's hand. Um, I mean, this is, 
you know, it, it kind of speaks to Audrey being sort of naive that, you know, and it also speaks to her not really, even though they were dating prior to season four, she didn't really know him as well as she probably thought she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so for me personally, I, like I mentioned, I didn't fully buy into them being a couple. I, I, I kind of did, but not as much. I, the, the I, I could see Jack and um, Renee in season seven and eight. I, I can see that a lot more because they're, I mean, I mean, maybe they're too similar to be a couple, but I, I, I bought that more um, by the time we got to like the end of season eight and you saw the way that Jack reacted. I mean, we're, we're kind of getting off that, so I'm not going to go too much further, but so the way that he reacted to, to Renee at the end of season eight. And I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't see that kind of reaction with Audrey. I mean, yeah, we see what happened in Live Another Day at the end, but um, it, it wasn't quite the same. There was, I don't know, it was more more surgical in Live Another Day and not quite so surgical. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's just a maturity thing. I think, I think it's also the fact that there was only really Cheng to go after as opposed to Novakovich and then Suvarov and Logan and whoever else. Yeah, that's you, true. Yeah, you are right. And I think the other thing, right. you mentioned Renee, actually, that's interesting because you kind of see that the three major relationships, I'll ignore Kate because, and, and Diane as well, incidentally. Um, but if you ignore, um, if you look at Terry to Audrey to Renee, it's almost a sort of stepping stone from Terry, the outside government type, just normal civilian that Jack's married. Then Audrey, who's in government, gets very involved in, the matters and I know they both get kidnapped, but um, she's much more in that world, even if it's not quite Jack's world. And then Renee mm. becomes is almost the female Jack in a sense. Uh, so yeah, there is a sort of there is a little bit of a build up there. Did I buy it? Mm, I think I think I did. I don't think that it ever feels like it's going to work long term though for the. The, the quote that Joel points out is exactly right. The mm-hmm. Jack is more comfortable in this hellscape. He's more comfortable going and shooting people than he is working behind a desk. That's how he is. And even though he doesn't like it. Yeah. He's it, comfortable but, there. Yeah. He, he doesn't like it, but he, he, you see that he does like it though. That's the thing. He, yeah. I don't think he necessarily likes what he has to do, but he likes the fact that he's quite good at it. I think maybe, I'm not quite sure how to how to explain well, it's it. It's like second nature to him, so yeah. It, he's serving his, he's serving his country, and he knows that he's better off doing that than he is going to budget meetings with Aaron Driscoll. But yeah, it, it's just that simple. That going to a meeting with Aaron versus shooting a guy in the knee to find out information. There's only one of those things that he he knows he's really good at, and mm-hmm. it's the second one. Uh, so yeah, I, I it I I do buy it but I don't ever buy that it's going to work long-term. And I know that this sort of forms a spine of it's sort of his major romantic flame with season five. They sort of rekindle it a little bit and season six, the end of becomes all about Audrey and then season nine, of course, as well. But yeah, I don't, 
think I ever thought that it would it would be his sort of next Terry, I guess. But it's nice to see him briefly happy before it all falls apart, before he has to fake his own death, before he has to kill her husband. And I think Kim Ray was quite good. So that's enough for me. Mm. I guess I can accept that. <laughs> Joel is still angry about my uh, spicy Edgar take. Very much yeah. so. Yes. Well, um, well, th- there's a couple things I was thinking of since I was not here for the last two episodes. Um, you guys talked about Mandy, and I, I think she's. I really love her character overall. I don't like like the things that she did. I mean, they were like terrible things, but overall I like her character and this interaction that we see with her in season four. Um, I think that's the last interaction that we have between her and Jack until we get to the book deadline, um, which, which I read several years ago and, and it's really good. If you, if you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend reading that and there's several other books as well, but in, in deadline, Jack actually reaches reaches out to Mandy. I don't know where he got her number or, or anything like that. I don't remember the details or if they say where he got it, but Jack basically hires Mandy to help stage his death, which is, I guess that's kind of like becoming a Jack thing now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so he's actually working with Mandy, even though Mandy was also at the same time in the book, she was hired to kill Jack. And so, 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 so like, like she stages it to where it looks like she kills Jack, but she's actually helping Jack stage his death. So she doesn't actually kill him. And it's just, and then there's an interaction between them that I think was really interesting and really kind of brings out her character. It kind of gives a little bit of a different angle to it as well. And so I, I just really like the character. I think they could have done a whole lot more with her in different ways in there other than just these couple things that she shows up for. I enjoyed Mandy. I thought that she could have, she could have warranted at least a, um, at one villain status. You know, she could have at least been a six or seven episode early on, villain where you think she's the main villain but then when you when you kill her you realize that there's a bigger villain out there you know pretty much standard 24 um <clears throat> I thought she could have been one of those um I didn't like how she was there was no resolution really um because you gotta think she tried to kill Tony uh, she tried to kill Jack. She tried to kill Palmer. And she's still out there. Like, that that alone warrants her some kind of resolution, whether it be uh, jail or dead, you know, whatever. Um, the fact that she caused all of that, all of that pain and all of that trouble for and basically be at large. She basically in the wind. Um, I thought it was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, 
because I, 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 I believe I, I read somewhere that she was actually supposed to be um, the woman that, that Tony linked up with in season seven, as opposed to Kara Bowden or whatever her name is. Um, that Tony was supposed to have linked up with in season seven to help him with his nefarious plot that just killed the entire series. Um, and I thought that would have actually, based on what happened in season four, I thought that would have been kind of a little bit more interesting storytelling for them to explain why Tony would be linking up with the girl that tried to kill him. But they didn't go that route, so. I, I do agree that I think that the fact she's just still out there at the end of season four and we never see her again uh, in the show, possibly, yeah, a loose end. Equally, I think she actually has a pretty good ending in terms of her relevance to other people because Mia Kirshen's in, I think, I think she's in nine episodes. I'm trying to remember how many seasons one she was in, but I think she's in no more than nine, definitely. And the key part of this is not necessarily Mandy because we don't know that much about her. We, we kind of get a sense of her character and a sense of how sociopathic and uh, sort of how much of a mercenary she is. But generally her big connection is the way that she aids the plots that are happening. So in season one, providing the ID for the photographer, the, the assassin, I should say, supposes the photographer to kill David Palmer. Season two, trying to kill David Palmer. Season four, the stuff with Tony. So her connection to everyone else is kind of the more pertinent thing. And I think the fact that we get to the end of season four and the choice is we need to pardon her to stop the nuclear missile from hitting. And it's David Palmer, the one who she, she tried to kill and he doesn't know, but she was somewhat involved in his first assassination attempt all those years before. I think the fact that he's the one to say, sign it, give her the immunity, let's stop this thing, as opposed to being worried at all about having her put in prison for the fact that she tried to kill him, the fact that it, it, it's him that has to make that decision, I think I think that works a lot for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another thing I wanted to add in um, that you guys talked about was Logan. Um, in my, my opinion, he was the worst... Worst president in 24. Um, you look Ooh. at, I, I mean, that, Dare my, you. I don't know. I, <laughs> that might be a stretch, but um, I mean, you look at him, he started very shaky. He was very cowardly, as you guys kind of mentioned. He there. signed the Russian treaty. Yes. <laughs> but, as, we'll Keeler ever signed. as we'll discuss that next week, that does not make him a good president. Yeah. What did Keeler ever sign? We don't know. They didn't show. Exactly. Palmer's, re- Palmer's resignation papers. That doesn't make him a good but, president. That makes him the worst president. Yeah, and as you guys talked about, I mean, he's he's very. I don't I don't know if he's necessarily like evil. Like he's trying to plot and plan all these evil things. I think he's just an opportunist, and then he's a manipulator, <clears throat> and so he sees an opportunity. And he manipulates his way into a position that'll benefit him, make him look good, and 
I mean, if it, he doesn't care what happens to other people as a as he goes through all of that. And so that, that's, that's kind of what I see as I look at his character overall. Kind of, kind of, kind of sounds like a current president that will remain nameless. <laughs> um, this is 24, not politics. <laughs> look, all right. You already, you already got me on my soapbox already earlier. Okay. So let's not even, let's not even go there. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, and so I I just thought I'd kind of throw that in, just kind of add to since I wasn't here to contribute last week, as you guys talked about that. But um, but looking at the season overall, um, I I look back at when we restarted um, airing these things. It was actually back in episode seventy eight, um, even though we don't like publish all the episodes. But anyway, we went through and we ranked all the different seasons. And I originally ranked season four near the middle. I think it was like number four out of all the seasons. And after, after reviewing it again and hearing you guys and all that kind of stuff, I think, I think that's kind of still where I would place it is they're near the middle, maybe the top half of the, the middle. So not definitely not near the cream of the crop, but good. Nonetheless, well, I had it second and I'm, I, I will be moving it down. Uh, you should. Joel wasn't here, so he didn't have a list. No, remember <laughs> I gave my I gave my list the next week when I came on. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I about that. yeah. <laughs> but I don't I have those remember, numbers. I can't remember where I put. Uh, well, the ratings were high, so it doesn't matter. Um, I can't remember where I put season four. Um, but. After watching it back, and because um, season four is still my favorite version of Tony, because he's actually out out in the field, um, doing what he needs to do. He's not a villain, so I enjoyed this version of Tony. Uh, season overall, I'd probably put it in the middle of the pack. Um, I'd probably put it, I'd say four. I'd probably put it, put it four. Um, but I enjoyed the second half of the season, uh, a little bit more than I did the first half. Because Tony wasn't um, in the first half. Exactly. <laughs> You're catching on here, Josh. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed I enjoyed the second half substantially more than I did the first half. So maybe I would put four uh, four B a little bit higher than I would four A. Um, but overall, I'd probably put it right in the middle of the pack. You had it third on your uh, your list before I just checked. So you are also downgrading it. Oh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you're in agreement with me. Uh, I, I, I guess I, I guess I'll I'll put four B as third. Four okay. A I would keep as fourth. Okay. I think much sort of much sort of how I said about season three that I always split them because I felt that in my memory season the first half of season three isn't that great and the back half of season three is incredible. And actually rewatching it 
the whole of season three is very good. The first half is the first half isn't as good as the second half, but the first half is also really good. And I think rewatching season four, I just feel like it's a lot weaker than I remember it being. I think there are lots of good moments, and I think this is it, it's a slight problem in season four that will I will definitely revisit in season six because it is one of the key issues with season six. But season four, I think, is a lot of moments. And, I think, and, and there are some fantastic moments and some fantastic scenes and sequences and acts. And you think of the, Joel, you talk a lot about the uh, raid on saving Audrey and Hella. You have the scene at the end of the premiere with Hella and Laurie getting kidnapped. You've got things like Paul's death and the raid on the consulate and all of the stuff at Mandy's apartment. And you've got the EMP stuff and the takedown of McLaren, uh, uh, the takedown of, of Marwan and finding the override. So many good moments. Air Force One being shot down, one of the best sequences 24 did. They're all, there are a lot of those kind of things in season four, but the bits in between, I think, don't quite work as well. We talked before about the fact that there's a lot of filler. There's the satellite stuff when Jack has to rob the, the convenience store because they can't put a satellite together in two hours. You've got the repeated sort of, where are we? What are we doing? What's the leads? Blah, blah, blah. That you have five times in a couple of episodes. Uh, it, it, it does feel a little bit like it runs out of steam in between the moments that you remember. And, you know, like I say, the, the moments you remember are fantastic. But I don't think, and, and having started to get through season five for when we start that next week, I, I think season five is a very good example of how you can do things that are quite momenty and yet everything in between all of the, 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 the bit that links it, that can still be fantastic. I don't think season four quite nails it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I'm definitely looking forward to um, starting season five. That's definitely listed as my favorite. And so I am hoping that it upholds that as we go back through it too. I don't, I don't have a, a lot of fear in that it's going to drop down, but we're really looking forward to, to five in that. The in other that thing regard. about season four, the other thing about season four is that when you go back to season one and you think about the structure of that, it's very, very tension based. It's very much you're on, you're on the edge of your seat. It's not quite the fast paced, uh, relentless action thing that it becomes this show, but you feel at every moment, like, something is going to happen. Something big's going to happen and I'm on edge for it. And, and it, it just pulls you in. Whereas I think season four, by the time we get to this point, season two and three started to veer away from that. And by the time we get to season four, I don't think there's that much tension and certainly not in those, like I said, the in-between moments. I don't think the tension's there in the same way that it was at the start of the show. I think they do very much with season four shift into a very action heavy series. I don't think there are that many action sequences in season one compared to season four, where it feels like mm-hmm. there's gunfight every episode. There's always something explosive happening. There's always something, you know, Jack, Jack and Curtis take down Mo on at 4am and they're almost taken out by a missile five minutes later. It, it, it's things like that where it, it does feel like it's gone from that, that tension building series to we're just going to throw a lot of things at you, lots of action, 
scale up on everything. And, you know, it, it, it works, but I don't think it's, it's quite as good as the approach it was before. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were some s- slow points in season four. I think season four is when I f- first started to notice that, I mean, there have been points in the first three seasons as well, but season four is where I first started to kind of, it kind of jumped out at me that 24 episodes a season um, may be a little too taxing as far as trying to come up with competitive storylines and competitive arts and competitive angles to fill up 24 episodes in a season. Because you got to think, even though we're in season four now, um, at the end of season four, they had filmed 96 episodes. So 96 episodes in just four seasons is uh, remarkable when you think about it and trying to come up with competitive material to fill up all of those episodes, um, you, start to get, you start to get stuff like uh, Kim Bauer with the tiger or amnesia storylines or love triangles. You know, you start to get stuff like that when you have to come up with material to fill up 24 episodes in a season. Had they cut, say, I don't know, eight episodes off of that, maybe give it, maybe give it sixteen episodes a season. Um, they could have done the, the the time jump thing in the last couple of hours or something like that if they wanted to. But if they would have had, say, sixteen episodes in the season, I felt like it would have been a little bit more compact, with a little bit less filler. And it probably, the stories probably would have flowed a little bit smoother than uh, some of them did. You say that, but Living Another Day and Legacy had 12 episodes and they weren't exactly perfect. Living Another Day is good. But it's, Living Another Day quite. was a masterpiece, Bradley. Mute okay. your microphone. Okay. <laughs> what about Legacy? Uh, <laughs> Season four, as I, we were. <laughs> I, think, I, I think we should make you rewatch Legacy as part of this podcast. No. No. Like, <laughs> like the Legacy was dead. That, that was, that had a whole bunch in of fact, problems. That, in fact, we should here. make you, we should, we should make you rewatch Legacy as part of this podcast just for the simple fact of what you said about Edgar earlier. Your punishment <laughs> should be rewatching Legacy from beginning to end. Gosh, I think. Uh, uh, season four, it, it's the first season I watched. And so I'm always going to have some sort of affinity to it because it, it got me in 24. But I don't, I don't think it's as good as I thought it was just rewatching it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, I think it worked well. Um, and I, I think, I think what they were doing, obviously I don't know what they were thinking, but, um, I think what they were doing was they, they were building on the success that they were accumulating through the first three seasons. 
And I think they started to go too heavily into the action because it's boom and, and all that. Like you said, they, they went too much in the action, not as, and they kind of went back on the tension parts and there's, and then, then of course there was all the filler stuff, but I think they were trying a lot of things that didn't work like they thought it was going to work. But then I think they learned from it enough when they got the season five to where it's like, boom. And then after season five, that's a, that's a different conversation for us to have in a month. But I'm looking forward to the next five weeks of season five has shifted back to season one, but also a combination of season four. They got it really right. They won the Emmy. Aren't they great? And then in six weeks time, when we come to season six, just me sort of head on the desk weeping at season six. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to make you watch <laughs> legacy right after that. <laughs> and I'm we're going to, we're going to put season seven on hold and you're going to watch legacy right after season six. Now, hang on. You're only doing that because you don't like season seven. Well, I don't like season seven either. Well, we're going to put season seven on hold because I didn't have as ridiculous a take as you did earlier. And I want to publicly <laughs> publicly while we're on this podcast before Josh cuts it off, I want to publicly apologize to Louis Lombardi for the ridiculous take that my comrade Bradley Adams made earlier. But, but it wouldn't be him. It's not the actor's fault. Yeah. For, for what was written for him. <laughs> the actor is great. Let's just go back to the fact that Joel doesn't like the Nina twist. What Mojo called it the greatest TV twist of all time. Who called it that? Watch Mojo. Nobody pays attention to watch Mojo. Lots nobody wants to watch. Nobody wants to watch YouTube me. subscribers. Nobody wants to watch Mojo. Okay. <laughs> watch Mojo. Uh, who 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 okay. who wants to watch Mojo? Lots of people. As a as a, uh, as, a, as, a as a matter of fact, while I have it pulled up here, uh, Mr. Lombardi, since I publicly apologize to you, please. Send all of your hate tweets to at Bradley underscore Adams TV on Twitter. Okay. So any hate tweets that you have about how he thinks Edgar Styles is the worst character in 24 history, send them there. Don't send them to the 24 podcast. We love Edgar. <laughs> send them to Bradley Adams. <laughs> I can't promise okay. that this is my only hot take. I'm trying to remember if I have others in the future. I, I, don't, think there'll be, I don't think there'll be many as ridiculous <laughs> as that one. <laughs> I think this is probably our most divisive episode since Mark. It's a good thing Bradley it's a good thing Bradley didn't drop didn't drop this bombshell last week. <laughs> just me and him on the podcast. It would have been a three hour podcast. Uh, anyway, we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for <laughs> for this yes. week. Wrap up this episode this season of 24 and looking forward to next week as we get into season number five and see what happens to Jack after he walks into the sunset. 